Welcome to the Nerdaplexy Movie Review Show mini-episode. This is where we break down our breakdowns of the movies we just watched, answer your pressing questions, and let you know what to check out for next time. Today is also the sixth meeting of the Nerdaplexy Comic Book Book of the Month Club. Pew, 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 pew. Pew. My name is Reed, and with me today we have... Sam. And Dave. So, let's dive in. All right, if you are joining us in a chronological manner, as if you had listened to the last episode, that episode would have been Street Fighter. What a great movie. I I listened to the episode again, and I can't believe that people don't love this movie. Like, it needs a resurgence. A resurgence? Yes, it needs to come back like all these other bad movies have, and people love them. Do you have to have a surgence before you can have a resurgence? Yeah, that's kind of the problem. Some of those movies had, um, like, buzz when they came out. Good point. This movie just needs a surgence. This movie needs is due its first surgence. <laughs> Any, yes, anything at all. But honestly... And then in 20 years, a resurgence. There you go. Yeah. We didn't get a chance to talk about it, the episode at all. <laughs> but do you guys know about Street Fighter, the movie, the game? I have not played that one, now. Oh, yeah. I I listened to a podcast about that, about how all the the controls are so slow comparatively. It's It's just a wild game. Yeah, so it's a crazy idea because, you know, they're putting out a Street Fighter movie based on the extremely popular Street Fighter video game franchise. So you'd think, uh, easy peasy, they already have a game for that. Well, not so much because uh, some geniuses over at uh, Capcom... Or whoever, I don't know, this might not even be a fucking Capcom. Oh, here's the problem. Here's where they ran into the problem. Capcom uh, got involved with Acclaim Entertainment to make the Street Fighter, the movie, the game. Uh, it came out in 1995. It is just a Street Fighter, except it has, instead of the actual good-looking, good graphics of the Street Fighter 2 franchise, they decided to go with a live-action characters a la mortal Kombat. nice yeah and it, it makes the controls really awkward it looks like uncanny valley for the time it looks just like a mortal Kombat for the most part but yes the the photo realism and uh puts kind of a strain on the hardware i believe this one came out on playstation and i want to say saturn S- sega saturn perhaps yeah yep that's where i played it at my buddy mike's house yeah, sluggish as all hell. I mean, the the people look just like the people, which is cool, but um, it doesn't matter because the game is flaming hot garbage. Now, I'm not 100% on this, but I believe that they don't even have like the same movesets. I, I think they changed up the moves and everything to make just really one of the worst games of all time. <laughs> they took a good thing and then made it into a bad movie. And then made it into a worse game. It was it's the circle of life. I have some uh, r- semi-related converse uh, recent experience. Just yesterday, I went to go see Anamanaguchi, and they were performing the Scott Pilgrim, the movie, the game, the album. That's so good. Which was very good. It's so good. And that music is so good. Yeah, this, that's the antithesis of what Street Fighter did. Yeah, well, I just, just getting on that uh, 
Also, we did mention Hatsune Miku in a, a fairly recent episode, and they have a song with Hatsune Miku. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure I'm familiar with. I, I've heard the name, but I don't think I've ever listened to anything. Did you have you played Scott Pilgrim the movie the game? <laughs> Scott Pilgrim. Oh, 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 the uh, the the brawler, the little beat 'em up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the music from that is it? Yeah, the band scored it. So they did uh, Scott Pilgrim the movie the game the soundtrack tour. Well, I, that's uh, inspired. Honestly, indeed, I'm sorry. I'm just a little bit distracted. I do have Street Fighter, the movie, the game gameplay footage running in the background while we are talking. And it is distracting. Mm -hmm. Chun-Li and Ryu are. I'm looking forward to Street Fighter, the movie, the game, the soundtrack, the tour. Now, there you go. Now we're talking. Yeah, we should tour that. Well, let's get I'll, I'll talk I'll get my people on the phone and we'll we'll get this thing working. I'm pretty sure those rights are just up in the air. They're available. I, no one would care. <laughs> I think we could just it's like a first come first serve type thing. <laughs> I, I put that remix up on my SoundCloud account with no or fear of reprisal even remotely. Now, hold on a second. I do want to back this up a second. I dropped a gif in the chat, Sam, for you. Oh, thank you. Oh, see, that's is he combing his hair in that? No, he's that, that's his victory stance, grabbing his hands. Oh, okay. Now, did the actors do the mocap? Whoa, this is wild. Uh, I Did the actors do it or did actors do it? I don't think they did it. Well, it looks, I mean, it, they, I don't know if they got, I haven't watched any Van Damme footage, but I, I just watched some uh, Chun-Li Ryu, and I, I, th- I think it's for sure them. Now, I do want to bring up the, the cast of characters here just briefly. Because it's, you know, all the guys you'd expect to have, Honda, Ryu, Vega. Honda's in a full E-Honda getup and lo- looks pretty dope. Balrog with his very bad Widow's Peak. <laughs> now, here's a... The villain. Yeah, we've got a, an Akuma, a live-action Akuma, which is interesting because, I mean, that is a Street Fighter character, but certainly not in the movie. One bit, no Blanca. No Blanca. Well, that would have been... Well, I think that was uh, too hideous to mocap. <laughs> That's probably a good idea. No Blanca, no Dalsim. There is a character called Blade. But is it the Blade? Just just a vampire in the game? Yeah, uh, Maybe. He's wearing a mask, so it's hard to tell. And I just do want to mention... You can't cover Blade's face. In the final credits, we, we talked about in the episode, or at least I did, that uh, Captain Sawada was in there, and they named him, and he gets a final pose, and I didn't know why. Um, I think it was a tie-in for the vid game, because Captain Sawada's on there, and apparently he has an energy sword. That's his move. So oh, just like in the movie. Yeah, when he when he used his... Energy sword. Energy sword. I feel like that's the last, like, when you said they ripped pages out of the script so they'd save time, the energy sword was all on there. It's, it's really gotta be. Oh, wow, Captain Sawada's dope. He's got a cool moveset. But it's real sluggish, so you think it's cool, but you can't do it. Oh, I I can't do any fighting games anyhow, so that's that's fine with me. <laughs> I can mash a button. I can mash a button pretty good. Back back down diagonal. Block, block, block. Yeah, that'll do it. <laughs> Key is finding the move that knocks them into the air and incapacitates them for the next thirty minutes. Just keep smacking them. <laughs> yeah, I was I always had to do a. Uh... That was my killer instinct thing. Yeah, or the uh, Darth Vader and Masters of Terras Kazi. That like upswing lightsaber thing. It like knocks you like 30 feet in the air and you can't do anything. Why it doesn't cut you in half? That game made no sense. Well, you know, I like the game, but. Okay, well, yeah, li- just lightsabers in fiction don't make any sense either, so. If, if lightsabers just destroyed everything they touched, then you, yeah, you couldn't use them. 
Yeah, it's just too cheaty. Exactly. <laughs> so you just use like a light baton, like on Futurama. Speaking of Star- Darth Vader and lightsaber business, the uh, Obi-Wan uh, Kenobi just wrapped up the series. I've been watching that one. Great start to finish. I think it's a perfect uh, little mini series. Very polarizing from what I understand. I have yet to finish it. I watched the first episode and then I was just kind of like, I got in the mood where I was like, you know, I don't feel like waiting week to week, even though I said that like probably a few episodes ago that waiting week to week builds suspense and all this other stuff. But now I just want to watch it all the way through in, in one afternoon. Well, you're good. Some of them are, are short. It's It's basically just like an extra long movie and it's perfect for that. I heard that um, I heard there's going to be a sequel season where Obi-Wan meets a uh, young Luke and they try to save Princess Leia from the Death Star. Uh-huh. Uh, but unfortunately, Obi-Wan does get struck down by Darth Vader. I, I mean, it's like a whole thing. I mean, it's just a, it's just like a it's an elevator pitch right now. I actually heard that's a season three thing. Oh, OK. I do believe it has been um, given the go. I, I thought I thought I heard rumblings that it was given a go ahead for season two, but uh, I cannot confirm that. The one thing I really like about this series, um, my probably one of my favorite things is that um, they're using the new light rigs for all the lightsaber stuff. And I believe when they do this, they actually have a light up lightsaber on set and the glow and kind of the expression of the lightsaber makes it feel like it's an actual thing. Because I feel like over the course of the prequels and stuff, the the impact and the emphasis of what a lightsaber is was kind of dulled. Um, but I think this series really does it justice. There's a uh, no spoilers, but there's a rooftop shootout scene it in the dark and it's one of the coolest like blaster exchanges i've seen in all of star wars that's a that's a uh it's a tall order obi-wan obi-wan he, he does some he does some pew pew pewing yeah it's like uh obi-wan john wick pew pew and mcgregor territory very cool ah uh, see pew and mcgregor uh he does he he shoots a couple guys right in the fucking dick it's great that's one of those jedi things right you're not allowed to you can't <laughs> kill someone with a blast but you can shoot him in the dick emasculate them permanently that's a thing that's a problem i've always had with jedi let's get into it why are you evil it's because it's like the same problem that dave has with <laughs> batman is he just he maims people he doesn't want to kill anybody but he'll, th- he'll literally throw you off of, of like a 10-story building no but here's the problem jedi have no compunction about killing right their big thing mm. is that all life is sacred but they will fucking murk anything anybody no hesitation they're just cutting people in half i mean think of all of the monsters that they just slay in any of them casually, offhand, no no remorse, no guilt, passionless. I, I think about that in a lot of different things. That's why I loved that, that Futurama movie where they started to feel remorse after killing all those different like creatures that living things that didn't want to be dead. And it just it just like builds and builds all this like they feel terrible about it. It was hilariously done and I didn't describe it well. Sounds <laughs> sounds like a real laugh riot. It truly is. Um, do you know what what arc that is or what movie that is so we can point folks in that direction, Dave? That reminds me of something I meant to say in the last episode, which is uh, Wheezy F Baby and the F is for endless Futurama references. <laughs> I also actually did mean to say that there... Bummer S. Bummer S. Davey. I did want to say that... Vendor's Game is the one. Vendor's Game. Yeah. I, I did want to say that since the episode, I found some more articles and uh, I realized the article for Wheezy F Baby was from 2013. So there has been nine solid years... <laughs> 
of more. <laughs> I mean, this is just from one song that the F is for faithful, funky, freaky, freshly, flavor, flawless, fleek, finesse, and finagle. That's just one song. Just want you to know there's a lot of material for you if you want to go seek that out. Sam's going to record a bonus episode so we could take a break. So you can look, you can go on Rap Genius and just look at every single Lil Wayne since 2013 <laughs> and, and you'll find some more uh, things that the F is for. Well, the F could be for Father's Day. Last week was Father's Day. We just barely missed that. One one weekish behind, but you know, uh, the fourth is coming up. That's kind of like founding Father's Day, maybe, kind of, maybe, sort of. I dig it. So we're we're still doing Father's Day bits. Yes. So uh, as some listener mail, I was I was asked to who I thought the best slash worst comic book daddy is or was. So I, I gave it a lot of thought. It's much easier to come up with bad dads in comics at least in like mainstream com- mainstream comics than it is to come up with good dads and like the closest i could think of is like alfred like surrogate father yeah he was he was a father figure thoughts <laughs> father figure he's a good one <laughs> oh as the good one oh okay you're talking about bad ones yeah as a good dad as a good dad i'm i'm going i'll go with alfred yeah so surrogate father basically not basically raise Bruce Wayne, he's he's a little bit too permissive of a daddy, but uh, he he does let Bruce uh, do a lot of strange nighttime stuff. But you know, good for him. He's a sing- he's a single daddy, so you know, uh, tends to spoil. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's you, you know, you have to give them you, you have to give them a length of rope. You know, wasn't a uh, Cyclops one of the new X Men's dads? He's a good dad, probably. I mean, Cyclops, I think is no, he's he's Cable's dad. Yeah, he's Cable's dad. Cable's dad. That's it. Oh, never mind. He's a bad dad. And therefore, probably not a good dad to Cable. He's not a good... I take it back. <laughs> he did bad. Yeah, he dropped his <laughs> son like 3,000 years in the future because he uh, got an accidental um, techno disease from dad's work. So not not a great dad. No, no, he's a bad dad. I take it back. Not awesome dad. Uh, maybe, maybe like Jor-El for sending his son... Superman's dad? To Earth, yeah. He did, he did save his life and earth a bunch of times vicariously a lot of i find in comics that there's a lot of a lot of surrogate dads uh but not a lot of genuine dads i think a lot of a lot of dads um get gobbled up by origin stories so right as for worst dad omni man yeah omni man's a bad dad (laughs) he's a pretty bad dad (laughs) wolverine's a bad dad I forgot he was a dad also. Magneto's a bad dad. Magneto's a really bad dad. Like maybe the worst dad. <laughs> yeah, he's real bad. <laughs> now Wolverine, is he a I know there there are clones of him and he's not a very he, he's he's a pretty decent clone father. Does he have an actual uh, child as well? Dakin? Oh, a uh, Dakin. Dakin, yeah. Dakin or Dakin, that's that's his that's his actual child. Okay, that's right. You are correct. He's not he is not a clone. Uh, conversely, Batman, bad dad. Oh, yeah, real bad dad. Damian Wayne, is they have a bad relationship. No, oh, yeah, Robin, he gets put into very, very dangerous places for seemingly no reason. Pretty bad guardian as well. He has gotten a couple of kiddos killed on his watch. Yes, yeah. Thomas Wayne, also bad dad. He eats popcorn with leather gloves on. Yeah, he's a bad dad. Yeah, I knew that. I did know that one was coming. So let me ask this question. Who's comics greatest zaddies? <laughs> yeah, that's it. Got to be Tony Stark. <laughs> Paul Rudd, maybe? Well, yeah, MCU, I think that's, yeah, he, he's up there. He's, a, you know, he's a, he's a maligned father in the MCU, but he's a good dad. He's a pretty good dad. He's a pretty good dad in the MCU. 
Out of all the MCU dead, Sita's pretty good. Him and although I, the the MCU has this problem where every character is Tony Stark, and the I really the, my favorite part of Ant Man was uh, what's his name Scott whatever Scott Lang yes Scott Lang's relationship with his daughter it really humanized him it made him like the most down to earth character and then um, Iron Man had basically an identical daughter. And they did that thing over again. A very touching story. Liked it very much. But it was... I liked it 3,000. Yeah, it's the same thing again. I don't know. Um, yeah, but you only they could only kill one of them. I mean, they have to be able to keep making movies. That's a good point. Right. Well, they could always bring him back. Because now there's multiverses. Well, I, I think... Where Spidey-Man snapped instead. I think out of all of the ones that they would bring back, I don't think he... I don't think he'd be in it. I think there might be somebody else. They'll probably bring back the armor, certainly. I know Iron Heart is on the way, um, but even there's several different kinds of armor heroes that they could bring out. But I, I think Tony Stark is dead, dead, because they, they brought back Gamora. Do you think they're going to bring Johnny Storm back? Oh, I mean, they're going to bring back Fantastic Four eventually. No, but I mean, do you think they're going to bring Chris Evans, Johnny Storm no. back? <laughs> I don't think he would do that in a million years. <laughs> <laughs> I think you probably could... Although he did do it, didn't I did he did tweet out that he wanted to do that more than he did Captain America again. You probably could get a Chris Evans from Losers uh, Johnny Johnny Storm in because of the Disney Plus of the shows and the slightly irreverentness that comes with the multiverse. So in something like a uh, um, a Spider Man, the one of the Spider Verse movies, you might uh, you might see you a Johnny Storm Chris Evans. Spider-Man's dad wasn't a great dad. No, no, he was. But Uncle Ben was a good, was a good surrogate dad. Either just never there or a spy for a while. Or like a robot or something. Yeah, who knows? I don't, he's this, he's got a strange backstory, that guy. Might even be a spider, depending on the run you're, you're reading. Because <laughs> he does do that man spider thing, which is real dumb. Real dumb. Love a man spider. I love a, I love a. Oh, man spider's cool. I hate a man spider. Man spider. And also like doppelganger. I like a doppelganger. That's like the four four armed Spider Man in Maximum Carnage. Oh yes, yes, yes. And he's got, but he's got like a a mask mouth. His mask, his face is the mask. That's yeah, that's a good one. That's a really good one. It's so nineties. <laughs> it's like the most nineties villain. Yeah, that just unlocked our like a total core memory. I can see because they keep him around just to have him in the frame, looking wild in like big team em ups. Like, and and this one's here. He doesn't need any speech bubbles. He's crazy looking. Yeah, it was great. I got to the the last boss rush of that game, like the end, and my little sister kicked the SNL SNES cord out, and uh, I was devastated because there's no saves. Yes, these are the tragic tales of the cartridge era. Certainly, I guess he does have six arms coming out the side, so he's basically a man spider if you count the feet. Got to count the feet. I love an inversion. See, I also I didn't like Man Bad either, so I'm I'm bad to go with. But we know you're wrong about that. Yeah, I mean, we we've we discussed at length that <laughs> sin, which one day you will be punished for. But it's the same. It's the same concept, and I like it. I like it both. Uh, always, I'm pretty excited. I think that would be a great story arc for uh, Tom Holland because you know he's all cute and shit. Let, let let him do some body horror. Get Sam Raimi back on the job for that. That would be cool. Ugh, like legs coming out of you. Yeah, it'd be rough. And Sam Raimi would would do it with like paper mache too, and it would still look great. Yeah, that his uh, his latest uh, Multiverse of Madness is now out on the Disney Plus. Oh yeah, I need to watch that. It just came out yes, well as of record yesterday, right? Yeah, just 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 came out. I'm I'm excited uh, to give that one another go. I really want to dig back into that. 
I was feeling a lot of emotions in the theater, but just because I had a tummy ache. Yeah, I still haven't. Oh, that'll, that makes me sad, too. <laughs> I still need to watch it and the rest of Loki. I did watch a couple more episodes of that, but I had to finish Stranger Things because I might be able to do Netflix soon. Oh, yeah. Straight th- Stranger Things doing great. I'm excited for the, the second half, the the resolution. Um, this uh, this season of Stranger Things, honestly, that the, the front half was a lot more spookier and intense than I thought they would go, and I'm glad to see that direction. Yeah, no spoiler, but yeah, it was it was very like like spooky. I was like, this is a good horror show for the first time instead of a suspense show with superpowers. It was legit horror. Well, the first one, I, I, I think the first season was straight up and down a sci-fi horror. And then two and three got a little loosey-goosey because now you have all the kids. And then it's just, I mean, then, I mean, how can you be scared when you see Steve on screen all that time? No, oh, yeah. Oh, man. What a comfort. I just feel so safe. I, yeah, I, when he's wearing that little paper hat. Mm-hmm. What, a, what a treasure. Do you know they were going to originally kill his character off in the first season? Oh, he's like the Jesse Pinkman of Stranger Things. But yeah, they liked his character so much. Like the the writers, they they changed the person who di- uh, uh, instead of making him die, they kicked Will's dad out, and you never hear from him again. So they cut that character completely gone to keep Steve. Wise choice. Now I like to picture. I like to picture that if they didn't do that, that Will's dad would have done the exact same stuff that Steve did. That was the idea. He was supposed to go in and kind of save the day. He'd have been working at that little ice cream shop. I don't know about the ice cream <laughs> shop, but I do mean the first season. <laughs> He's like, I just want to be a part of my kid's life again. <laughs> Make friends with the uh, platonic yeah. friends with the girl behind the counter. <laughs> with a capital P, platonic, yeah. Yeah, it was a good show. Really enjoyed it. Speaking of things we may have enjoyed, it's time for the comic book, Book of the Month Club. <laughs> Nerd of Plexi Comic Book. Club for comic books. Oh boy. This month we are taking a look. We're taking a look. It's in a comic book. It's comic book book of the month club. Book of the month club. Now LeVar Burton's gonna sue us. Come at me, bro. <laughs> Powers. It's released April. <laughs> Come at me, Jordy. 2000. <laughs> That's it. Just April 2000. Apparently. Uh. Pre-9-11. That's how I judge my comics. (laughs) Creator-owned comic book. It was written by uh, Brian Michael Bendis and illustrated by Michael Avon Oming. And it uh, the the series' first volume was eventually published uh, on Image Comics from 2000 to 2004. And then it kind of flopped around, hopping over to different imprints. It is the story of two homicide detectives working in a world that contains superheroes. And they're just kind of average Joes trying to keep things together. Or are they? Detectives, uh, Walker... And the other one, Texas Ranger. Yes, and his and his and his hat and his boots uh, are on the case. Christian Walker and Dina Pilgrim, his partner, uh, his newly assigned partner, uh, get assigned the case of a murdered superhero, Retro Girl. I really like the the look of Retro Girl, like before she was dead. Uh, dead Retro Girls. I like the look of her when she was dead. Rough, but. Fair enough. But uh, I really thought the art style of, of Retro Girl looked really cool. Like I was like out of sync with everything around it because it was retro. What I like about the art style is it is reminiscent of like uh, what I like about the TMNT art style, like the original. It has that real indie homegrown feel to it. Like, you know, it, like it's not like a 
big what's the word it's not like a big it's not a big market comic you know so you can they could sort of play in the space a little bit more they have like flexibility right it's it's very it's stylized the, the style i can kind of compare the 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 vibe it really gives me it reminds me a lot of the uh batman the animated series look and then the subsequent dc animated universe look that's kind of the style it's um you know walker has an extremely like rectangular head to to like a ridiculous degree but it all works within the universe everything looks natural on the page which is which is crucial now, if you're playing the comic book book of the month club drinking game, I have to say a couple buzzwords that we mention every time. But uh, it, it's it's another comic that like just throws you in. And there's and in, I mean, there's a history. It's not like superheroes haven't just started popping up. It's not an origin by any stretch. It's it you're in the midst of this world where there are superheroes for all different reasons. And if if you get to like, I think it's like an issue four, and they're doing some interrogation of a bunch of superheroes. Then they're doing an interrogation of a bunch of villains. And there's like probably like a hundred, there's probably 50, 50 heroes and 50 villains. And they all have different looks and different vibes. One line each. And they only have like maybe, yeah, one line each, but it's enough to kind of inform that particular character's background in a way that's like, you're like, yeah, that's cool. You know, you can you can sort of feel that it's a rich tapestry. A, a lot of familiar esque faces in there as well. I don't, I'll, we'll throw that up on the website. You can uh, take a look, yeah, because there's a lot of um, almost familiar faces. Yeah, there's like God of Thunder looking gentlemen, and yeah, it's very good. I I really like the Venom, but who just had two like vampire fangs. So that was a pretty good one. Uh, there was also, as to our you know previous discussion, there was a savage dragon on there for sure. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, there's not too much more to tell without giving anything away, except that you're following Walker. Uh, he's on he's on a case he's pulled into. Uh, he ends up having to like take the uh, there's social services building has been burned down for whatever reason. So he's having to take care of a young girl. And over the course of his travels, he finds out he's taking on a partner, which is like the tropiest trope of all buddy cops. Like, you know, hey, here's your new partner, you know, get used to it. And uh, and the the only unique thing that I think is spoiler, no spoiler, is you come to find out that uh, Walker formerly had superpowers. And that's why he decided to take this this particular beat, because he knows these people. Uh, he's no longer in the loop with them, but he has enough of a rapport to sort of continue doing good work on the side of the police. Well, yeah. And uh, the thing I like most about this world, I think, is what you mentioned. The child service building was destroyed in a giant uh, accident. It was completely evaporated, gone. That's why he couldn't send her there. And like you said, it was like for whatever reason. And that's how people in this world were reacting. Like, ugh. Yeah, it just it just got evaporated in a big fireball. Like, I know it's not your fault, but like, uh, what am I supposed to do? And no one blinks an eye. The only person who isn't, there's one person who blinks an eye in the whole thing, and it's the coroner. And he's like, I don't know what you expect of me. I'm literally given a different kind of dead thing every day. Like, I don't know how to open this girl up. <laughs> she Like, her, her skin is like diamond plated. Like, I don't know what you want, of, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's like he brings out a blowtorch, and everybody's like, "Whoa, whoa!" He's like, "There's he's like there's space pigs with laser guns, and like you know, what am I supposed to do, man?" <laughs> I, I've got a PhD in human stuff. I don't. I don't. What is this? Who is this? 
Yeah. <laughs> like Zoidberg, he's a he's an expert in humans. Yeah. The world doesn't feel abnormal to me, especially because, you know, I, I've read a lot of comics and I'm I'm steeped in these worlds. So when you hear about something like that, like, oh, yeah, yeah, some crazy terrorist guy blew uh, some super villain uh, and nuked it or vaporized it. it. It just we're so familiar, especially now in a post MCU world where these are the kind of stories that I think are going to come back and start becoming more prevalent the, the the man on the street stories, because now the hole in the sky story, that's not interesting anymore. Now let's use these worlds and I think this is what Bendis was kind of feeling when he wrote this comic is that, you know, we've played so much in this space. Let's get down to the nitty gritty. Let's start telling personal tales in this zone. And I think this is a great uh, example for Bendis. So because he deals so much in those hole in the sky moments, and this is a time where he's getting really granular and playing with character and not universe. Right. They they even did that a lot in MCU after the snap where, you know, you're you're seeing how people are reacting to what happened finally. Like before that, it was like people are tertiary to the experience. It's extraordinary people and extraordinary villains. And then there's just how then finally after that, there's like more of a how is the common man handling such an event? I mean, there's always little snippets of that, but it would seem like they finally had realized like, okay, we can now we can sort of dig into what what's actually happened to this earth. Well, and and, and also that they can't keep doing like just treating all of the random people as NPCs you, you have to there have to be it can't be a video game all the time. Then those big tentpole movies, they're never going to go away and they're great. But in Star Wars is learning this lesson as well is that you have to tell smaller stories if you're going to tell stories all the time. So yeah, that's Powers. I mean, uh, with you in the first six issues, you find out who killed Retro Girl. That's like the first big main thing. And there's a couple of like, uh, I think there's a, a .5 where it's, you know, like one some one shots as well, but... Um, I, I read the I read the point five um, and it's an interrogation that Dina and Walker are doing on a suspect called the shark. Uh, and honestly, I think it was my favorite out of any of the issues. What I really like that they did is they they ran through the like the in the annual or the point five a camera, which one, but there's two. One of them just has half where it's just the interrogation of shark. And it's this one-off story of this guy who was, a, who is a super or has superpowers. I should say, uh, fell out of favor with the police and the public eye, and then is scheming on a way to get back into the good graces of the, of the citizens of the city and of the police and sort of start, start afresh. But to do so, he ha is in contact with a, an ex villain who's getting out of prison and saying sort of like, Hey, we can stage a robbery. I can save the day, etc." Um, one thing leads to another and the uh, the guy who he's choosing as his accomplice ends up dying and that's why he's being interrogated. But what I like in the annual is that halfway through the comic, after the interrogation, you sort of get the idea this guy is he went off the deep end and he's a bad guy. He should go to jail. The second half is like a court deposit, like a court summary you can sort of it's it's not done through pictures. It's just done through, you know, what the stenographer took down. You know, so you're just reading like pages of of dialogue and it and it's, you know, you're seeing how the defense lawyer spins it in a way that it, that makes it look like, OK, the, the shark got was was being he was being led by the other guy 
And then the prosecution is able to prove away that he's the one who made first contact with the villain saying he wants, you know, the, the, and then by the end, I think Shark kills himself in custody. But it's all done through text, which I think is really neat. They they play with the medium a lot, which I do like. There's an issue, I believe it's issue two, where underneath the main story, the A story with Walker and Pilgrim, there is a a news story, like a television broadcast covering the death of Retro Girl. And at the very end of the episode, both panels and stories collide. Uh, but I really enjoyed how they interacted there. There were scenes and interrogations, especially in the point five, where they you really get the impression of the dampener because there's a, a a power dampener system that they can they use that becomes important to the plot later. Uh, but when they have these people arrested, the comic is in black and white, and when the dampener is turned off, it goes back to color. And um, we had that. That's another one for your comic book book of the month bingo using color to tell the story here's another one so uh look out for that if you haven't checked this one out yet speaking of now that we've kind of gone through everything if you guys don't have any final thoughts would y'all recommend this one i think definitely yeah it was it was a fun read easy read i would i would brian michael recommend this Yeah, I think I agree. <laughs> it's fun. I like the art style. It's very nostalgic to me. It's very, it's a very comforting art style. Bold lines. I like that it's like a creator led, so they're taking more chances. Uh, I enjoy that, and it, it's uh, it's a cool, it's a cool idea. I like it. Are you going to read on? Ah, uh, yes. As to that, no, I'm good. I did the first one. I think I'm good. Just because uh, I think I don't know. I think it was a nice, tidy story, all, all beginning to end, and I don't, I'm I'm pretty satisfied. I mean, it's ongoing still to this day. That's wild. So I have no idea what that could be about. <laughs> That's twenty years. I'll let you know because I think I will continue this this go around. I think I only recall historically having read Who Killed Retro Girl, and uh, and it's been quite some time since then. So I think maybe this time, since I've since I've gotten back into it, I'll uh, I'll continue. I'll let you guys know. My hero, though, I'll take Dina Pilgrim. I think she's like a. She's kind of a no-nonsense... I, I mean, I like that she has some creative detective work about her. She uh, she figures out that Walker used to have superpowers bef- long before we figure it out. Yeah, but doesn't she get, like, an envelope with the answer in it? Well, she she does, but, I mean, she had she had the hunch. She had she has that, uh, that cop's gut, you know? Uh, but so much so that she uh, sucker punches Walker to try to figure out if he's, like... <laughs> if he's like a tank and he isn't but so that doesn't necessarily answer her question but it 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 sort of informs her that maybe he's not but then she she doesn't stop digging so i like that about her i think walker was my hero he was he tried to get onto this case because he wanted to find out who was killing supers and it, i don't know he, he just seemed like a like hard-nosed detective which you don't see it very often anymore that 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 style well i could say what i like is that yeah, he used to be. He used to have superpowers. Used to be a superhero. Used to fight for the side of good. It would be easy for someone who loses their powers to take a heel turn and say, "Well, you know what?" Or even just retire. Yeah, it would say, "You know what? If I'm not a part of your gang anymore, if you know, because he's he became sort of outcast to the superpowered folks." But then he said, "Well, you know, I can I can still use that to my advantage and and be to become a detective after that." I think that was pretty cool. Uh, I really like the chief. Yeah, he's cool. Yeah. 
I like he he was just he was just a little he was just like ah oh, I don't know like it's just stuff I don't know just do your jobs go home I don't care like I really liked his energy I I think the villain is the that coroner guy he was going to use a blowtorch he should have just said I can't do this one I think he does end up using a blowtorch no they take they stop him and they give him the fingernail yeah well I think he was right though I mean what else is he gonna do. <laughs> There's a coroner who's seen it all, and then in this world, there's no coroner who's seen it all. So he's just he's just doing his best with what he's got, man. Um, yeah, but I mean, I don't really I don't really have a villain necessarily. I mean, there's there's a couple villains they lightly touch on over the course of the series, at least the first trade. But n- nobody's. I mean, probably by like the sixth one, you're not really gonna have an idea of who the worst bad guy is, except for what they kind of reference to being this wolf guy and this Johnny Royale guy. Probably the villain would be there's a there's another investigator named Cutter who used to be Walker's partner and he just sucks. He does suck. He's literally just doing all the worst things like for the case and for everybody all the time. And he in his in his in his facial hair looks stupid. <laughs> they do they do call it chin pubes. Other than that, I think I would pick the um the the rocket jetpack man who kidnaps the little girl. Yeah, that's a bad look. Oh yeah, not cool. Yeah, that's that's pretty busted. Don't like that one bit. Um. But yeah, that's that'd probably be my my villain. All right, I think that sews it up. Other than the killer himself, who you won't know about until you read. Ooh, we're leaving this one up in the air, just like a superhero. Let us know what you thought about Powers. Uh, hit us up. You can uh, head on over to nerdaplexy.com. You can uh, email us at nerdaplexy at gmail.com. and you can tweet at us at. Nerdaplexy pod on Twitter. While you're there, you'll be uh, interacting with our social media retro girl. And Dave, <laughs> that's me, social media retro girl. I'm going to change my bio after this record. <laughs> no, but yeah, you can hit me up at the face of Dave. I, I would love to know what comic book author you'd be interested in hearing. Uh, we put this together through listener mail, so let us know. Alright, well, thank you so much for listening. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe. Thank you as well to our very special uh, subscribers, Megan and Steve. Thanks for uh, helping us keep the lights on and help keep me stocked uh, in Miller 30 packs so we can keep the entertainment flowing. <laughs> the real lifeblood of Nerdaplexy. <laughs> Be sure to check us out next time for oh boy this is this is this one really came out of left field i wasn't ready for it and um you probably never heard of it but it is 1994's richie rich spoiler i saw this in theaters i didn't see it in theaters but i did see it on a vhs rental there we go spoilers for next episode that's a little taste of the kind of commentary you'll be getting (laughs) so tune in then and but until we meet again uh i'd like to leave you uh we'd like to leave you with this thought to ponder. Powers. Stranger things. Other things. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the thought. <laughs> Unless Sam has a better pitch. I mean, I don't. <laughs> that doesn't make it right, though. I can't, we can't keep all this shit in, you know. Unless three, two, one. Powers booth. <laughs> <laughs> okay.